I'm Olivia McCollins, and this is Purdue, the official podcast for Purdue University. Our conversations and stories feature Boilermaker students, faculty and staff, and alumni taking small steps toward their giant leaps and inspiring others to do the same. In part one of this episode, we talk with Kathy Wright-Eager, the founder and leadership advisor of Purdue's John R. Wooden Leadership Institute. Her innovative thinking brought to life an institute that molds student-athletes into strong leaders, learning from their fellow athletes. In part two, Shelby Gruss, a PhD student, shares her story of surviving a tragic accident and reviving her spirit by pouring herself into her role as the captain of Team USA's wheelchair basketball squad. By coming to Emerging Leaders, I guess it allows you, again, to step out of your comfort zone. Like, I never would have thought I would be the type of leader I am now this time last year. And just by coming to these meetings, you learn so much about yourself that it's just really nice to see. And you can see your teammates growing, too. So that's cool. Because last year I was kind of, I was only a freshman on my team, so this year I'm kind of, well, it's like my third year in the program, so I'm kind of stepping into more of a leadership role, and I just feel like this has kind of, like, given me the confidence to, like, be a leader within my team. So, because, like, my role is expanding, so just trying to just trying to communicate more, um, being more of, like, that leadership role I've seen myself. Kathy is one of the most caring people I've ever met. She really puts everything she has into helping us achieve our goals and she's willing to try new things. She's super open-minded. That's how three student athletes explain how Kathy Wright Eager and their involvement in Emerging Leaders, a program within Purdue's John R. Wooden Leadership Institute, have changed their lives. The late John Wooden was a three-time All-American as a Purdue basketball player and went on to greatness as a National Basketball League player and successful collegiate coach. The influence that the Institute has on students is what drives Eager's work. She served as Purdue's head women's swimming coach for more than 20 years. Eager founded the Institute on the 15 principles stated in Wooden's iconic triangular diagram called the Pyramid of Success. The principles range from competitive greatness to self-control. Desiring to spark growth in the 500-plus Purdue student-athletes on campus, Eager found her way to Quantico. Purdue is a very strong military school. You can go and reach out to the Army, the Navy, the Marines, all the ROTC, and you can go, and they have recruiters on our campus, and they work out with our students. And so I reached out to one of the recruiters, and he just so happened to be a Marine, and I started bringing him in to help me work with teams because I learned so much, you know, just I was reading things. You know, you think about Great leadership, you think about military. So I was reading some military things, and so I reached out to them, and then he invited me to go to Quantico. And they have these educational programs that they bring in civilians and let them learn about the way they train their leaders and just the way they communicate. They have a common mission, goals. Everyone's on the same page. It's amazing. I mean, honestly. So I tried to bring some of that back to our athletic department. Yes. And while you were there, what was surprising for you in the way that they function or worked? What was the surprising aspect of that experience? Okay. My aha moment was 
It's one thing to like get up in the morning and shower and put on your business suit and go and conduct a meeting. Okay. And you're a leader and you're leading. It's different. Like if you haven't eaten, if you're tired, if your legs cramping, if you're cold, all of those elements, I don't know, you're bleeding, you're, you know, whatever, you're gasping for air, air and you still have to be a leader with all of that happening. That was the aha. Like it looks different. Like some of the leadership books that I'd been reading, it just isn't the same in a boardroom But the military and athletics, I know that sounds weird because they are fighting for our freedoms. I mean, this is life and death for them. Sometimes athletics, we, we act like it's life and death, but it isn't. It's a game. It's a sport. Mm -hmm. But we go through some of the physical, mental, emotional stresses that are similar. That's what really resonated with me, that... When you look for leadership in people, it has to be during the tough times, when you're losing, when something bad has happened, when it's freezing cold out, when someone just quit or there was an injury. That's when you're really, you're looking for those type of characteristics, those core values that really say, stand up, let's go, get on my back, we're doing this. So taking those experiences, how did you... Put that into the John R. Wooden Leadership Institute. Well, one of the first things that we did was I went to the student athletes and said, what's your mission? What's your mission? Let's, I mean, that's so important about having a mission. What are we all, what are, when we go, all go out and recruit, what's our mission? And we didn't want that whole thing that it's a paragraph long that you're like reciting like a whole, you're memorizing something. It needs to come from, and our student athletes were like, well, let's, this is what, I mean, it's all over our building. Let's do this. It's developing a scholar, champion, and a citizen. And they all know it. And they live by it. I mean, honestly, it could be team rules. If you were late for class, is that being, you know, a scholar? Is that being a champion? So, and they loved that. And they, they took that and ran with that. I mean, actually... They design T-shirts that they give at the beginning of the year. They put that on there, you know, the goals for every single one of our teams to get in the top 25 at NCAAs, which will give us opportunities to fight for Big Ten championships and NCAA titles. It's, it's very clear. That's the first thing we did. Then the second thing is to really talk about character. You know, go back to John Wooden's Pyramid of Success, those 15 characteristics that he thought, he picked those for a reason. I mean, it really, really struck a chord with me, like when I got back from Quantico. Those 15 characteristics don't just happen in good times. Mm -hmm. And so we really started thinking, how can we bring people in? Like we just had Austin Hatch in last week. And he has survived two plane wrecks. And he talked about keeping things in perspective. And so we're trying to teach those 15 characteristics. So if they get a D on a test, if they sprain their ankle, if they, you know, whatever, if they hit a bump in the road with their social life, whatever it takes to just reset, regroup, be resilient, come back and let's go again. And by all means, Know that you're a part of a team. This is not just about you. I don't care if it's golf or tennis or swimming or things that are like individual. It's still a team. It's still a team. 
Quantico, I mean, it's all about whatever you do is going to affect me. Mm -hmm. Whatever I do is going to affect you. So those are some of the things that I brought back, and we put it right into the everyday teaching of the Wooden Institute. And so with this idea of character and values and the sense of community all throughout this institute, what makes this program a little bit different than other leadership programs or programs that are for athletes? What makes this special? That's a really good question. I think a lot of schools that, like when I do research, and I mean, this is the 12th year, so a lot of schools will say that they have leadership, or I should say athletic departments, will say that they have a leadership program. In their leadership program, they're putting like resume building and, and mentoring and professional development. That's important. That is very, very important. This is more in the team, going into like behind the scenes in the locker room and trying to figure out what is making or breaking a team. This is in a sense like, you know, how you go into a family and you figure out like, what's our family going to stand for and who are we and it's that. So it's it's a little bit different than that professional development. It's not, you know, it's not, it's under the whole umbrella of student development, but this is really diving in. And maybe like you, I can't tell you how many one-on-one meetings I have with student athletes that maybe are just having a hard time buying into the whole team concept. And that's okay. I wish I had someone that was helping me with that person on the side. You know, that's what I do. Again, I'm the assist. I can help that team, help the coaches by meeting with these student athletes one-on-one Asking them question, how do you feel when a team says this? How, you know, what is your role on the team? How do you add value to the team? Why do you think the coach recruited you? Things like that, like get them to think, oh my gosh, it's not just about me. Hmm. I think that's what makes it special. I know in the program, you have brought in speakers Mm -hmm. who have played for Purdue Mm -hmm. and are coming back to impart wisdom to these athletes. I love that part. And what would you say is the best experience or who are the speakers that have resonated the best with these athletes? I thought Drew Brees did a great job. When I asked someone to come back, look at the pyramid of success and and see which one. I mean, you can say your own message, but would you please tie it in to one of the 15 characteristics on on Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success. And he picked competitive greatness, which I thought was awesome. But listen to this. It wasn't about him. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, him being great. It was about utilizing your resources so that you can reach your potential. And he talked about how often he goes to the trainer every day, even if something doesn't hurt. He gets stretched out. Everything is about utilizing his resources. He talked about driving from Texas to Purdue in his car and thinking, okay, I've got to get mentors and tutors for school. I've got to make sure that I get a great relationship with the athletic trainer because he was coming off an injury. He wanted to make sure that he got into FCA 
and that's what he talked about, all of the resources. I mean, we talk till we're blue in the face to our student athletes about the resources, the resources. Drew Brees walks in, says it. there's a line out the door for mentors and tutors. There's a line. I mean, but we don't care. Whoever they'll listen to, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a mom. I mean, that's a mom, a parent thing, actually. We can tell our kids something over and over and some favorite aunt comes in and says something and they listen to. You know, we don't care who they listen to. We just want them to listen. Yes. Listen and then follow. Yes. And I think that, yeah. I mean, Drew Brees. I oh, mean, my gosh. Wow. I mean, he had some rough times, too. You know, it wasn't like it's all, and that's what I love. The speakers that come back really talk about times that, you know, they have fallen hmm. and then pick themselves back up by utilizing their resources. Yes, and that sense of resiliency yeah. is really impactful. And yeah. so in this program since, I believe, t- 2008, mm-hmm. how have you seen the nature of storytelling, the act of telling one story with a teammate or a coaching staff? How have you seen that impact these athletes in their growth with not only one another, Mm -hmm. but just with themselves? That's amazing that you picked that up. We cannot just expect them to grasp everything we're saying, like what you had just said earlier. So if you say it, then you tell me that you want me to say that, and then I'll say it. And then you bring in a guest speaker and you say, can you hit on this? Mm -hmm. And then you, all of a sudden, then you have this, we have this SAC, which is, you know, our leaders. And then we have a group called Emerging Leaders. Suddenly now the, the SAC group, which is Student Athlete Advisory Committee, they're actually coming to emerging leaders and teaching the lessons. So any time we can get one of our own teaching the lesson, that's so much better. I have literally in the last eight years stepped back to be more of a facilitator, and I am watching like, you know, women swimming teach something to men's basketball, football teach something to golf, and I think that's one of the things that the Wooden Institute has guided or led the department in saying, hey, let's take two steps. Let's don't always be the one that's in their ear. Let's get their teammates to talk. Let's bring back a former athlete. Let's, you know, have even how about just a freshman? Hey, freshman, what did you love about the recruiting trip that you went on? Maybe not just produce. How about others? Let's learn from them. And then they feel valued. I mean, there's so many more things that come across that. You're learning listening skills. You're giving everyone value. It's not just the same. It's like Snoopy. You know, did you ever watch Snoopy where it's like, when the adults talk? That's why I told our coaches, you know, that's us. We have to let them do some of the talking. And then with the framework of the program, you have under your purview, you have about 500 athletes, but of all different sports. Mm-hmm. And when you have someone from baseball mm-hmm. tell their story and their hardships to someone in football, mm-hmm. merging those two together and finding the commonality, I think, and you can talk more about this, but the beauty of this program in merging different sports together, together. in the same room. Yeah. One of the things at the very beginning, The programs would come in and like I would just say, hey, let's go around. Let's just share what's the hardest thing about being the leader for you? What's the hardest thing? 
and are what is what's the thing that you find the most challenging to do as a football player, as a baseball player? What they found out is they kept thinking that all, only things happened on their team. They're like, what? You guys, you went through that too? What? We didn't know that. It's because people don't go and share all the hard times with each other. They share, you know, the especially in athletics, I mean, it's wins or losses. It's So I think giving them a platform that they can say, this is hard for us and we aren't sure how to handle it. This is what we've done. This is what we've tried. Do any of you guys have any suggestions? And then all of a sudden wrestling's going, well, this is what we've done. And to me, that is the ultimate teamwork. That's the ultimate teamwork. When you're not just taking one team, you're taking 18 teams and getting the best practices, and they are leading it. Wow. It's really, I mean, I sit back sometimes, and I'm, my eyes are big, I have chills, and I'm like, oh, the kids are growing up. Retrospectively, how has this role, I guess, in the Institute changed your perspective? What lessons have you learned along the way? The biggest lesson I've learned is to always have a growth mindset. I practice what I preach about like understanding people's views from their shoes, from their lens, being more open-minded, not just with generations, but with ways people learn, ways people take things in. I think, actually, if you really thought about that in politics and, you know, world peace and everything, if people did that more, we wouldn't have as many problems I think that's just been the biggest thing is I have just been on the other side. When you're a coach, you're on one side of it. And, and yeah, you do hear, of course, you have relationships and you, you hear, but you hear about struggles and thing, and you know about situations, but you still are charged with the results. When you're on my side, you literally see everybody. I mean, that, I mean, I take off my coach's hat and put on my freshman hat. I take off my freshman hat, put on my administrator hat. And I have learned so much. I've been a, a much better listener and I've learned not to judge and to be a lot more solution oriented instead of problem focused. We now shift gears to share a Borlebite about Shelby Gruss, who has used sports to help her cope with her personal tragedy. When I got injured in 2010, the last thing on my mind was becoming a world-class athlete or getting my PhD here at Purdue. I grew up playing sports all the time. I had three little brothers, so I always wanted to keep up with them. And so my goal was not to just keep up, but to beat them. I've played basketball since I was in fourth grade. It was my favorite sport. I was very defensive-oriented in high school. One of my old coach's favorite memory of me was when I took out a set of bleachers to try to save the ball. And I saved the ball and then ended up getting stitches before the next game. That's just kind of the player I was. On January 9th, 2010, I had um, gotten out of a basketball practice and went home and my brothers were like, hey, like, there's a midnight ski run. It was over in Ohio. We probably got there probably like 9 o'clock or so at night. Did a few runs, and it was just kind of having a good time. And they had these big air jumps set up just for, like, a small competition they had. And so we're, like, going up this ski lift, and we're like, 
yeah, I think we should try that. Like, that'll be fun. We got up to the top. My brother's like, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't. And I was like, well, if I do it, you have to do it. And so we tried it a couple times. And uh, um, just went up wrong once and caught an edge and my feet went up and I fell wrong on my back. Initially, I didn't know. I was just in shock. Like, I didn't, I couldn't, like, move at all. So I was just like, okay, just give it a sec. Let me breathe. I'll be okay. And then um, after I started, like, catching my breath and stuff, I realized something was wrong. I broke my T8 and dislocated my T9. Uh, so it's a spinal cord injury complete. And I had a couple broken ribs as well. The prognosis was I was paralyzed from the waist down, permanently. I dealt with the prognosis a lot better than most people would have expected. I'm kind of like one of those people, though, that are like, well, I guess it's another challenge. I don't want to live in a hospital the rest of my life, so, like, let's get going. Let's get myself my physical therapy going. Let's get everything moving so I can get out of here. When I was at the Rehabilitation Hospital of Indianapolis, a guy came in to talk to me about wheelchair basketball. They had heard that I was a basketball player beforehand, and so I was like, all right, I'll try it. But there was a learning curve, definitely. Sitting down and shooting and not having your legs to power the ball. That was interesting. And then defense. I was really frustrated with defense because I was always used to sidestepping. We're in a wheelchair. The direction you're going is either forwards or backwards. I wanted to like sidestep in my chair and I was like, that's not going to work. So the way you play defense is different. I joined a team with a bunch of guys that were way older than me. It was a lot of fun and they were able to give me advice on how to be disabled. They're like, oh, you run into that issue? Well, I ran into that issue like 50 times. This is how you fix it or this is how you do it. So it kind of built a community for me there. I was thinking about in high school doing a career in conservation and wildlife. I had worked in Yosemite National Park for a summer before my senior year, and I just fell in love with the park. I was planning on going to Montana State University. I had been planning on going for about a year, and then I was kind of like, well, that's actually a really dumb idea. <laughs> like, I can't fully do the job I want to do, and I'm not somebody that likes to do something halfway. And so I was like, that'll just frustrate me. And so I went back to IPFW, and my brother's like, hey, why don't you try agronomy? You love agriculture. You grew up on a farm and you've always enjoyed it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. And so I looked into it and that's kind of how I got the shove. One of the coaches was like, hey, how serious are you about basketball? And I was like, honestly, like anywhere can take me now. I'm in. Like, I love the sport. And he's like, you should look into University of Illinois. There's a great coach there and there's a women's team. And I looked into it. They had my degree for an agronomy. And I was like, all right, let's go. The coach kept saying, yeah, this girl was so raw when she came in here. She had a lot of basketball talent. I got most improved player that year. When I saw what I could do and how far I could go with it, I am like the person that's like, I want to be the best. Playing basketball, well, it got me to the University of Illinois, which was at that time is what, what I needed. I needed to have a group that was going through the same thing I was going through on campus. It's also kind of giving me the idea that like I can do anything I want to do. I was at Illinois and a guy that was in the industry was like, hey, have you thought about your PhD? I know some people at Purdue, would you like to talk to them? And I was like, yes, I would love to. And so when that opportunity came up, I was just like, I can't turn it down. Purdue's been a school I've always wanted to go to. My research is focused on sorghum, but it's actually a compound in sorghum called durin. When it's broken down, it releases hydrogen cyanide. So it could be toxic. 
And so my research is focusing on characterizing what Durin is actually doing in the plants. Doing research in this field, you've got to be able to be a get in the field, be able to examine your plants. Uh, I've been doing a lot of greenhouse work currently, so I hadn't been out in the field yet, and we're working on getting adaptive equipment so I can't be in the fields. The agronomy apartment at Purdue has been very supportive. Through the greenhouse doors, there's a set of doors that are super heavy, and they established a push button that I can just open it up with. My professor, Mitch Tarnstar, has been great with me. He's any kind of adaptation he's been really willing to make. Playing wheelchair basketball, it's kind of my outlet. When everything else is going kind of wrong in my life, I got wheelchair basketball. At U of I, I had a great coach there. Her name was Steph Wheeler. And she is actually the one that kind of pushed me for the USA team. She was just like, yeah, like just try it out. You can see what the competition level is you need to be able to make a team. I participated in the World Championships of August 2018 in Hamburg, Germany. I was selected as captain on the USA team this year. The experience was amazing to be able to play at a world championship. Anytime I have USA on my chest, I am just honored and proud that I was able to experience that. We got six. It wasn't the best showing, but we're a very young team and developing a lot, so we have a lot of potential. I want to go to Tokyo Paralympics 2020 and hopefully win gold when we get there. I have uh, talked to younger people before or somebody that's been recently injured and just kind of told them about my life and how I overcame it. You need to put your heart into what you want. And so that's kind of what I want to portray as a person. I love agronomy. I love basketball. And so that's what I put my heart into. I'm just trying to live my life. And if I inspire somebody on the way, that's great. My family and friends are super proud of me and how I got here. Um, I was just actually talking the other day to my roommate. She's been one of my friends since about sixth grade. She was just like, I just don't know how you keep going. Like every time somebody's like, you want to do this? You're like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. I, I just want to live my life. Like that's just, it is what it is. Like you can't let it stop you. Thanks for listening to This is Purdue. For more information on this episode, visit our website at purdue.edu slash podcast. There you can route to your favorite podcast app to subscribe and leave a review. As always, boiler up. Boiler up.